All right, I'm going to rip off Gary Cohen here. I'm going to say a pleasant good evening to everybody listening, to everybody that tuned in last week. We had episode number one, Trials and Tribulations Be Damned. Uh, we just hit the ground running. So that's what we're going to do. But th again, thank you. Shout out to everybody that gave this a, a listen the first time around. We are very much new. We are very much experimenting, trying stuff out. So um, that, and also I wanted to say shout out to everybody that uh, tuned into the, the Sam Rosen auto-tune video, if, if you made it to this too. Yes, um, please. Yeah, dude, I, I, a lot of love on that on, on Ranger Twitter. I, I think ultimately my goal is to just um, piss off the MSG Network's like Twitter. Like, I just can't wait to get that DM one day and be like, you gotta, you gotta chill out a little. That's ultimately my goal. Yeah, it's, it's like, I, I know they're a pretty corporate with the the social media stuff they seem to be behind the time so i think that's great i know like you know it was a couple years ago where fitz and, and shane had gotten trouble just for making gifts and stuff so uh right. you know any any chance to you know to piss off the the, the high ups there yeah 100 percent. let's get into it let's hit the meme music got some great looks great looks great looks we had some great looks great Nine goals by our by our friend Sam Rosen. Uh, but here's the formal intro to the podcast. I am your co-host Jake Albie, and my my other host here is an assistant hockey coach at Newman University D3 League. I'm reading from your Twitter bio just to. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but uh, at Coach Connell on Twitter, I'm at every NYR goal. But how are you? First and foremost, after a week of interesting Rangers hockey. Very interesting week. Uh, Got to feel good, right? I mean the. Um probably should have won every game since we last recorded. I mean, that, you know, that Friday game against, uh, against Washington was tough, but a, a nine, nothing win the last week uh, on, on St. Patty's day, nonetheless. Right. Um, right. Yeah. As, as hilarious and a bizarre hockey game I've ever seen. Um, even better that it was against Elaine Vino. That's always nice to, to rub that one in there. Uh, and look, they played, played a good, uh, good little stretch of hockey here. So I think overall, you know, you're, you're feeling good and, Teams looks like Igor's around the corner and Kratzev's here, which we'll touch on a little bit. So teams getting a little healthy. And look, if they're playing good hockey and could somehow work their way back into this, you know, the run of things here, why the hell not? I like it. Yeah. I mean, they certainly had some great A looks. Get us into gallery mode. There we are. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they they absolutely let's dunk on AV a little bit. Okay. Absolutely. So Please do. I, I said a little bit last week that the Flyers are a fake good team, but uh well, actually, maybe maybe you can explain this better and in a more condensed way. Why, if you're a Flyers fan and you're somewhat new to Vigneault, um, why do you think Ranger fans resent him so much? Like in the simplest, in the simplest oh way gosh. you could possibly to. I mean, there's Lundqvist, there's Luongo, but ultimately, uh, why, why do you why do you hate him? Why do we collectively hate? Him? <laughs> It's a great question. I, you know, I think it's like the biggest thing is like, look, every coach has their like tendencies and their go-to guys, you know, but the, the most important thing, and it's something as, you know, I try to do as a young coach working my way up the ranks and, and like you always want is, you know, being transparent and, and being adaptable. And those two things he was not at all. Right. It was the same answers every day. And like, you know, he wouldn't like to get questioned. Okay. There's an ego check, but then like, you know, just relying on guys, you know, look, I mean, the 2016, 17 playoffs is the one that really jumps out to me. Right. You know, just relying on, on holding and stalling these guys when, you know, pretty much, giving away games in that Ottawa series. And he did it in the Montreal series too. I had my issues with him pretty much from the get-go. I got to be honest. And I have 
tweets to book bookmark to, to, to <laughs> prove that if anybody wants that put out uh, he's just a frustrating guy as far as that goes just the same old story you know um not changing it up his power plays are always very frustrating very stagnant not a lot of movement uh but i think mostly it comes down to roster decisions and how you put the lineup and as a coach that's probably the you know you prep during the week, you do your film, you do your practice, but in a game, that's the best you could do really is like, is, is you put together the best possible lineup in a position to succeed. Uh, and he pretty clearly never did that. So, um, and as we talked about in the past, you know, generational goaltending has uh, certainly helped him uh, during his career, which I saw recently, I'm trying to find the stat that the Flyers are not getting that this year, especially from Carter Hart, which is another reason why I think they're struggling so much. Absolutely. Yeah. You could really see the difference when he doesn't have a superstar goalie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Lundqvist is enough. Just to not get Lundqvist a, a cup um, in those years is enough for me to resent him. But on top exactly. of everything else. And I think, and, and a little bit of accountability issues too, where yes, yes. it's a weird toss up who was going to get the uh, short end of the, the stick. I mean, people like to say that people are saying that about Quinn now, but what I'll counter um, with, well, you know, where AV was never transparent um, and compared to now, David Quinn, aside from injuries uh, is kind of refreshingly genuine, I think in his press press conferences. I mean, I think it's, so. it's, it's hard to, it's hard to tell, but ultimately like, I like the guy who's, who's talking um, the coaching, you know, that's a whole other aspect. I, I, I don't know. I think the closest I, I got to a, a real uh, fire Quinn mood was last week before the nine nothing game. Not, I think it was even before the flyer game too. It was it was um, I think it was maybe the third or fourth game in a row where they just looked like they played about five minutes of five on five and then just the rest of the game stunk and like had had nothing. And this team still has their issues um, five on five and just shooting the puck. I mean, we a little bit uh, Dave Maloney. Dave Maloney on the radio. Um, he he's constantly insulting this team. He's like he thinks this team is so soft. Paraphrasing, but he's just constantly um, ribbing them on their on their passing um, options because they have yeah. shooters. They have shooters. We've been saying this for like how many twenty five years, the Rangers. Um, so maybe it's maybe we're crazy, but. It just seems like uh, they, they always pass it up, the opportunity. When it's like time and place. Like, you, you want to be patient and you want to create. And obviously, you know, Valley is always talking about the broadcast, you know, slot line pass, Royal Road. Like, there is merit to that, right? But there's also, like, shoot to create. Like, you know, coming down and shooting hard, low pad, and getting a rebound and crashing to the net. Um, they, they tend to just stray away from that. And I, I don't necessarily want to encourage bad angle shooting. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. But they're shooting with a purpose and, like, shooting to create. And I, I say this to my players sometimes. Like, sometimes the selfish play is to make a pass because you're going to put your teammate in a bad situation. You know, I, I've seen it a couple times this year where, you know, Butch Nevis or Zibanejad or whoever it might be is trying. I know with their heart of heart they're trying to make a good play. You're throwing a puck and you're trying to get it through three freaking guys. And it's like, yo, that's just not going to get through. This is the best league in the world, you know. So it, it's, it's definitely frustrating. Um, I think we've seen, you know, look, getting more rebounds and, and kind of more ugly goals. You know, we, we've – although I, although in that Flyers game, everything was going in. So at that point, it was whatever. Going back to <clears throat> Vino here. So this is uh, courtesy of Jay, uh, Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter. He now writes for Elite Prospects um, as well. Um, but he uh, – so this is 
as of March 20th, so as of three days ago, so very recent, uh, starting goaltender save percentage uh, above average, uh, 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 above expected average, excuse me. Um, and so he takes into account, you know, shot quality, what they're facing, all that stuff. Uh, our boy Igor, number 11 right there, by the way, on the list, but dead last in the NHL is Carter Hart at minus 1.9%. I happen to think Carter Hart's a good goalie. Um, he, he's got all the tools. Right now, mentally, he's just falling apart. And you hope Philadelphia doesn't eat him up like they've done before with goaltenders. Because I do think he's, from a personal standpoint, uh, he's a good goalie. Uh, seems like a decent dude. Uh, obviously, he's on flyers. And if they want to stink, I'm not going to be upset about that. But, you know, just it goes to show you, like, goaltending uh, is really everything. I mean, you saw that. Uh, with Claude Julian getting fired up in Montreal and Carey Price had like a save percentage, like barely above 900. So like today's NHL, just for just perspective, NHL average five on five save percentage, you're looking like, you know, an average goal is probably around that 912 mark. You know, that's what you're kind of looking at. Um, so, you know, below that, uh, you're kind of falling off a cliff there. So the, the Flyers haven't gotten it from Carter Hart and then Brian Elliott, who always amazes me every time I see Brian Elliott, I forget he's still in the league because I feel like he's been around forever. It's old, but hey, good for him. So just some just some numbers to kind of add on to that with uh, you know, Vigneault's track record of getting great goaltending. And look, he's now he's not getting it. And when he plays that kind of hybrid defensive zone system, if you don't get the good goaltending and timely goaltending, you could be really susceptible to be giving up a lot of goals. Uh, and, then, and currently speaking, they are down 2-1 here and just starting the second period against the Devils. And the Devils don't score against anybody. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of, we're coming off a, uh, a what is it, a 5-3 victory last night against yep, yep. the uh, oh, down in the dumps, Buffalo. So Poor they're... Buffalo. I feel so – I really feel bad because I have, I went to Syracuse. So I wasn't too far from Buffalo, and I, I wound up having a lot of friends from upstate New York, big Sabres, big um, um, Bills fans and all that stuff. I, I truly, like, feel bad, and, like, they, they deserve better because it's a great sports town, and it's a town that's, like – kind of coming back on the rise that like, you know, struggled like economically speaking for the last 20 years. So dude, they are a mess. It's like the least motivated hockey team. Like I think I've ever seen. They're just, yeah. Two of those power. I think we had two power play goals at least yesterday. I believe so. Yep. I might, I tried her at two, at least the one, right. Uh, <laughs> two Kako had two. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and Kako looked, uh, pretty upset after his, his empty netter like is yeah it, i know he's someone needs to give that guy a hug or something <laughs> yeah he's 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 tied with buchnevich on uh most frowns this season frowns yeah seriously season. um the buffalo defense they just really just let the rangers pass the puck around and it's just not a lot of uh hustle at all and what happened to uh rasmus Dahlin? i mean you know in a in a time period where we're talking about adam fox like pretty much constantly amongst mm -hmm. fans not so much outside uh new york as of late, what is the deal with this guy? I mean, he must be just miserable. There's no way he's as bad of a player. No, I don't think he is. Uh, I don't think, you know, maybe he's not quite the, you know, Eric Carlson reincarnate, which they kind of thought maybe when he was drafted. And, you know, obviously the comparisons are easy. Young, Swedish-born, offensive, good-skating defenseman. I, the whole team. I mean, look, Taylor Hall's not this bad. Taylor Hall won an MVP three years ago. I watched him that season for the Devils carry a mediocre at best team to the playoffs, right? Uh, Jeff Skinner, of course, gets off the schneid against the Rangers. But, like, look, on paper, is this a great team? Is this a, like, playoff team? Probably not. They also aren't this bad. Like, you look at, like, the, the Red Wings roster is worse than this. And, like, at least the Red Wings are putting together a competitive, like, uh, it's it's a nightmare. And then, obviously, with Eichel being hurt, I mean, look, I'm going through the roster right now. This is insane. 
Taylor Hall has two goals and 14 assists in 30 games. Um, you know, yeah, Darlene's got you know 11 points, but his metrics I know have been a nightmare. Chet Skinner, three goals, one assist, four points in 27 games. The guy's making $9 million a year. Um, they're a mess, like top to bottom. And like, that's like, to me, it, it, that's an organizational problem. Just like, you know, they haven't made the playoffs since 2010. So it's been forever yeah. when you think about it. Um, and, you know, they, they tried to kind of, you know, tank for Eichel or McDavid, excuse me, that year. Obviously, they, they lose a lot. Or get to, okay, you still got Jack Eichel, still have a hockey player. But they have just not been able to connect the dots from one end, whether it's coaching, whether it's management. You know, the whole whole organization, though, like um, was seen recently, like, they you know, they haven't even rehired some scouts for like the WHL and stuff. It's like preparation because they didn't want to pay their money during like they still could have been doing work and research for you and all that stuff. Like that, that is a heck of, I was saying in a group chat recently, like in a normal year, this pandemic year has been crazy in a normal year, even as a D three coach, like I'm traveling all over North America doing recruiting. Um, and the fact that they wouldn't have scouts in these different leagues is asinine. And I know they're not playing right now, but you can still watch old video, you know, kind of, you know, compile, talk to other scouts, talk to other coaches. And like, that's a top to bottom thing. That organization is toxic right now. Um, and look, they're, they've yeah. been in a rebuild for 10 years and now they're going to have to pretty much start over. Cause they're going to have to trade everybody and just kind of start tanking again. And hopefully they can get somebody else. Cause look, even if like, even on paper, if you, uh, you know, if you think, okay, we could turn this around. Look, he's not old by any means, but Jack Eichel's 24. You know, even if you try to like trade other pieces and stuff, when are you going to be competitive again? Four or five years from now? We, like, like, yeah. and now he's now he's 28, 29. Like, so you just wasted all the prime years of Jack Eichel. And look, you're seeing with Edmonton. I mean, at least they're making playoffs, with Connor McDavid. But uh, I know I've been on a bit of a rant there, but the Sabres frustrate oh, the hell out of me because it's like they've had some pieces here, and like they just. From like they, that's an organizational failure. Um, it, 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 top to bottom, an organizational failure. Uh, and you wonder if the the Pagulas, uh, you know, who have done a decent job with the Bills, but um, you know, they, they just can't seem to, to get out of their own way when it comes to the Saber stuff. Especially as Mets fans, um, we, we oh yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it. See how you know you can have. It doesn't matter who you have uh, nope. managing. Doesn't matter who the players. If you have uh, bad ownership, if you have. Um, you know, it's, that's a culture it's a standard. For, it's a culture and culture is yeah. a great word. We use culture all the time. So culture is the word. And, and that's not just on the rink. Like I said, it's the front office. It's, you know, how they treated everyone at the pandemic. You know, they fired all these like longtime employees who were just, you know, working, you know, as, as like, you know, hot dog vendors and stuff. Like they just, that's, it, it's a bad, and like you said, with the Mets, we've seen it forever. And, you know, thankfully we got uncle Stevie coming in, but um, it's, 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 it's contagious. Bad energy is contagious, and they're just a mess. Off the Sabres, back to the Rangers. You know, I thought they played a good game. I was a little nervous giving up that 3-1 lead there. Um, but, no, they responded well. I think that's something, too, we can note. They've responded well to more adversity as of late. And I think we saw maybe earlier in the year they go down a goal or two and just be like, ah, we're, we're not going to come back here. I think we've seen a little bit more of that lately, which is a good sign. So you briefly mentioned Detroit there, and uh, I just wanted to bring it up solely for the fact that there's a rumor going around right now that Mark Stahl might actually be on the market. And guess who might pick him up? Toronto. I know, I heard this. 
<laughs> Elaine Vigneault. Yeah, I saw this. Uh, I was listening to the 31 Thoughts today uh, with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. And right. Elliot brought that up and he wrote it in his blog as well. So that'd uh, be classic AV. Uh, just, oh, that'd be hilarious just to piss off Flyers fans. And then, they, you know, they lose a, a playoff game because of them or something. And not to bash on Mark Stahl, but it's just, you know, that's. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I love yeah. Mark Stahl. I love Mark Stahl for everything he did. Um, just one of those guys that um, it's, it's father time, but I mean, he's, he's probably better than some uh, that are still sticking around and, but to be a valuable piece on like a contending team, that's uh, no. going to happen unless he's no. a six or seven D, which I mean, I get, Hey, I guess if he's like, fine, you want to have him in the room, he seems like a decent dude. Like that's fine. But if you're yeah. going to, you know, with, with AV, we've seen him do it in New York. If all of a sudden Mark Stahl's getting top four minutes and you're trying to make a playoff run, that's uh, probably not the ideal. That wasn't a good thing five six years ago it's not gonna be good now yeah oh yeah. <laughs> speaking of coaches so the rangers uh chris knoblock how about yeah. chris knoblock i mean who knows uh if it's really him or if it's uh if it's david quinn on a wally um computer you know ipad tablet thing from mm-hmm. home but uh yeah it seems to be doing a good job i mean he lost three guys on the bench the other day he said but uh it's hard to say at this point um if he's really doing anything or not. Yeah, I don't think you really can. Like, I'm just looking up his, like, his, like, resume here. And, look, he's been a coach for a long time. Um, you know, started in ju- started in juniors, started in the OHL. Um, you know, he's with the Flyers, did a lot of, like, junior hockey. So, like, you know, hopefully he's good with the young guys, and, and he seems to be doing well in Hartford. Hartford's been pretty decent this year. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. It's, like, it's one of those things where, like, it's – he could – I don't know. I don't know. All of a sudden the team scores nine goals in your first game and, you know, they seem to be playing well. So it's probably a little bit of best of both worlds, you know, uh, where, you know, obviously Quinn's still going to be very involved in the day to day. I'm sure he's zooming into meetings every single time and all that good stuff, but good for Knobloch. And, um, you know, he's only 42. He's a pretty young guy. Um, And he's kind of just a calm demeanor back there. I'm not sure. Like you said, I'm not sure he's doing a lot. He might just be like, all right, guys, whatever you were doing, like, let's just yeah. keep going. Uh, I know, like, and this is good, like, um, you know, the Rangers organization, like, you know, Chris Jury is the GM also of the Wolfpack. So he kind of has a relationship with Knobloch. And I know they try to run, like, most of the same system. So that's a good, like, transition. So that's the way to do it. And, um, yeah, he's been fine. It's just been kind of funny. Like, they're going into that game. They're like, you know, oh, yeah, all three of our coaches – are not going to be on the bench. And you're like, oh, shit. This could be very ugly. Like, I don't know what this is going to be. And they score nine goals. You're like, ah, whatever. Forget it. Who needs coaches? Yeah, just because. <laughs> just to fuck with us, the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, just to exactly. Just throw it all – throw a wrench in the in the uh, washing machine, so to speak. Um, yeah, pr- pretty hilarious. I, I would love to see a David Quinn watch along from home. Uh, oh, my God. Know? Yeah, that's got to be painful, man. Like he's probably has just ever, like, has that ever really happened? I mean, how, how often is a head coach really missing like more than one game, you know? Yeah. Not a lot. Um, I'm trying to even think of like scenarios that would happen. I mean, I know like last year, Claude Julian didn't go to the bubble uh, with the Canadians. Cause right. like he had like, you know, whatever the heart condition and they were worried, which, okay. That makes sense. So, like there's some scenarios, some, maybe some health stuff, family emergency stuff, but yeah, it's never been like a long stretch of time. And, Rangers really haven't put out any uh, information as far as that goes, right? I don't think we really know when that could be. Yeah, I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like up to another week, but it seems like uh-huh. up in and off. I mean, DJ Zeppi's still out. Yeah. Our boy and and on this uh on this topic, um 
Well, we have bad news. The goalless season is over. I know. I did. I was thinking of you. Oh man, that was funny. I was I was pissed right at the end, and I was just. Like, <laughs> ah. I mean, we still got we still got the Ryan Lindgren uh, zero goals going, but he. Well, we could talk Lindgren in a second, but going back to Howden. Uh, so, dude hits the empty netter. He must have hit the town after because he's now uh, out with uh, COVID protocols along with Neppy. Yeah. So he, him, and Quinn maybe. Um, yeah, where they were going out and having a few too many after the game and got exposed somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, dude, I, I always think which players, when they do score, get absolutely trash. And I'm thinking Brendan Smith is a guy that when he scores a, a, a biscuit that he probably hits it hard. Oh, he's, he's picking up a 12-pack on the way home, no doubt. Like yeah. he's like he's like, hey, we're getting after it today. Let's go. Uh, that's a great that's a great hypothetical. Um, a guy who like I feel like would always hate it hard. He's I know he's a fly. Like Kevin Hayes is a guy. Just I was like I was like Hazy's definitely just like boozing every night. It's like it wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. Um, you know I'm trying to think. I'm the, you know, the Rangers are so young. You got to make sure they're uh, they're of age. That's, you know, that's the big one here. You don't want to say someone to get in trouble. You know. That's, oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. <laughs> they got. I, I remember that's like the whole. Uh, when Bryce Harper with the, the clown question, bro, and he was in Toronto and they're like, Oh, you could drink here. You're going to drink. And he's just like, it's a clown question. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Bryce. Poor Bryce. Uh, who, who knew that, uh, you know, the key to the nationals getting a, uh, championship would be Bryce Harper leaving. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I was so pissed when he went to the Phillies. I was like, finally, we're going to get at this guy out of the freaking division. And then, you know, but, and then, and then the nationals win just to rub it in my face even more. <laughs> If it's them versus the Astros, well, knowing what we know now, it's okay. I, it's cool. It's cool to see Zimmerman get uh, a ring, I guess. Yeah, Zimmerman was always kind of like the, their version of like David Wright, obviously. So like yeah. I, I've always had respect for him. So yeah, we'll uh, we're turning into a baseball podcast before we know it here. Yeah, of course. I think we talked about Kako a little bit. He had a couple <clears throat> goals last night. Um, Kako is still a, a Ranger Twitter darling. So I am not at this point yet, um, and it'd be very unrealistic to be um when is a real valid time to start criticizing high draft picks um for at least not finishing their chances Kako has, is playing great in yeah the corners right now um he's, he's he's making a lot of plays but I guess ultimately when do you think the points should be there it's a good question I mean he's still 19 you know I still think he's got you know you know looking you've seen this happen or like look you know, Nate McKinnon kind of took a few years to kind of get going there. There, there are guys like this. Dreisaitl was that way as well. Obviously, you know, McDavid, you know, a McDavid, uh, an Ovechkin, a Crosby, a Matthews. Like those guys aren't normal, right? It's like, like when they came in, all those guys, and they just took the league by storm. You know, there's some things I get concerned with. Kako is, uh, and I, 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 for many reasons, I keep saying this. He reminds me in a lot of the way he plays and I'm going to give one kind of a bit of a rip on both these players. He reminds me of Rick Nash a lot. And what I mean by that, you know, he's got the size, he's got the frame. Uh, I think Rick Nash, you know, and, and the Capo's only 19. So he's going to get a little stronger. He's going to put on the weight. I think Rick Nash is a better skater, uh, but neither one of those guys were particularly good shooters. And what I mean by that is, you know, their shooting ability, um, you know, their, their, capability of getting shots off and how long it takes for them to set up. Um, Rick Nash is a classic wrist shot guy. Capital kind of is too. And I actually brought this up last year on Rangers Twitter and uh, Dave Shapiro um, reached out to me from Blue Seeps blogs. That's how I started writing with them because I talked about the way Capital holds his hands. Now he does a better job of it now, but he's going to make his money like he scored the goal the other night. I think in front of the net, he's got great in tight hands, 
but he's not a guy who's going to roll off the wing and snap on. He doesn't have a shot like Mika Zibanejad has, or, you know, the best shot in the NHL right now is Austin Matthews for my money. Um, he doesn't have that shooting ability. And maybe that's something you can kind of keep working on. He gets a little stronger. Um, but, you know, that's probably longer term. And look, Rick Nash had a great hockey you know, career, but, you know, that would mean your number two overall pick is capping out in his best years in like the 65 point range, which look is a good player and you need those players. And I'm not convinced Capo is, you know, ever going to be, uh, you know, complete, you know, point per game guy quite yet. So there's plenty of time, but I think there's some things concerned. His skating is really what concerns me. Um, and, you know, he got into COVID and, uh, uh, and, you know, you wonder where his lungs are with that. You know what I mean? Come long-term. So his skating conditioning, I think are the two things I notice when I watch him. Um, as far as Lafreniere, he's his first year. Like it, it happens. Like, you know, he was in a weird spot, you know, didn't have a junior season that he got, that got canceled, you know, didn't go to the world juniors, didn't have a true training camp or preseason. So there's a lot of factors going against him. Uh, and I think in a, in a traditional setting, he, you know, probably would have, you know, been able to finish up the, the uh, Q playoffs last year. And then the, maybe the Memorial cup played a lot more hockey, gone to the junior camps, uh, whether he went out, he played in the world juniors or not, you know, what the Rangers decided to do in that alternate universe. So I'm not worried about him yet. I, you could see it. He's another guy, his skating's never been his strength. He gets a little stronger and all that stuff, but I'd say, look after, you know, next year, you know, and I'd say, you know, after three full seasons, I think is a, is a, is an appropriate time to be like, okay, this isn't connecting and there's a problem. Um, you know, once you're 21, 22, you're pushing that age. I think in today's NHL, that's when you're kind of starting to hit like the best players are hitting their peak between that, like 22 to 26 range. So uh, I'm not worried about either guy yet. I've, I've had my critiques with Capo. Um, and I still think like Lafreniere could have skies and limit potential. Um, Capo, I'm not quite as sold on. I'm with you on that one though. Yeah, I mean, Lafreniere, um, I, I find myself constantly um, just watching him when he goes out there. It's just, it's, it's just fascinating to watch a player come from this stage. And, you know, we're, we're living it. We're hyper-focusing on it because yeah, uh, yeah. of who he's supposed to be. But uh, you can see the hockey IQ is there, and it's there to the, you know, to the naked eye. It's just um, his instincts are, are good. You know, it's not somebody where it's like you see Libor Hayek out there and you don't, you know, his <laughs> reflexes, I feel like his is just a couple seconds behind his brain. Um, but, you know, exactly. That's why he's a number one prospect. Speaking of uh, young players, I know we know touch. We want to do touch on uh, Kraftsov. Vitaly mm-hmm. Kraftsov is coming on over. Now, I'll play the stupid casual fan that knows nothing. So I hear about this guy, you know, that's coming over, um, and he's supposed to be this Russian superstar, another Ranger Russian superstar. What's the realistic expectation uh, for Vitaly Kraftsov coming over uh, for the short term and for the long term? Yeah, it's a good question to ask, right? Because, you know, his first little stint here in New York, you know, wasn't great. Um, you know, had these issues with with Hartford. And, like, look, like, when, when – so, I know some people got into him on that. But, like, look, it was an, he was a, a young kid, doesn't speak the language, total culture shock, coming all the way over. Like, there's a lot of adjustments to these Russian players, and we've seen it. It took Tarasenko four or so years to get over here. It took Vishnevich about four years to get over here. Um, you know, so it, look at Artemi Panarin, who was obviously undrafted, so maybe didn't have quite the hype, but played in the KHL for a while. So, like, that happens. And, then, and you know, it's an adjustment period. Kratsev has unbelievable hands. He's got a wicked shot and offensive ability. Um, look, he's he's kind of undersized just from a like a, a weight standpoint. I'm trying to – I'm looking him up here on um, 
on elite prospects. Oh, it just had him. Um, I just want to see what he's listed at. Look, I, I think it's reasonable to think this guy could be a top six winger in the NHL. You know, he's 21, 6'2", so he's now 187. So he's definitely put on some weight to have him on there. Because when he came over a couple years ago, I'm not even sure he was 170 pounds. He was skin and bones. He's got some size. Uh, you know, he's, he's a super skilled guy. Uh, you could see him. I don't want to say he's a blazer. I mean, with the Olympic size ice over in the KHL and Europe and stuff, you can definitely see him having more time. Uh, but look, he, he he had a really, really good KHL season. And I think he had a bit of a wake up call. Like last year, he was in Hartford, he was in the KHL, got sent to the VHL, which is like um, like the minor league for the KHL. So that was like a bit of a well, what's going on. Had a great year, you know, 24 points and 19, 16 goals, eight assists in this year uh, with Tractor, his, his KHL team. Four points in five playoff games. Um, he's putting it together. What's reasonable for him? I'll be honest, with him compared to some of the North American players, I don't get to see a guy like him as much. Um, you know, I knew kind of a lot more about Lafreniere than I would have about Krotzev or even Adam Fox or Miller, those guys. I think it's reasonable to expect that if he's playing on his game, he's a top six winger. Now, the Rangers got a log jam all over the place on winger. I'm still convinced, if you ask me, if they make a move for Eichel this summer, Kratzav's got to be in the deal. Like, that's, like, where my head's at because he's still young. He's got a lot of – like, you're going to probably want a roster player, you know, whether it's two first-round picks and then, like, a, a high-end prospect and then, and then be, like, a B-level prospect. To me, this is the guy to do it um, because of his age, uh, the position he plays, uh, and, you know, what like, that selling point for the Sabres. Um, Long-term, you know, if he stays with the Rangers, you know uh, – I'm not really sure. I think he's uh, a little bit more of a, a pure kind of playmaker and like skill on the puck than the Buchnevich, Buchnevich a little bit more of a, like kind of really developed into a great two way hockey player. Um, so, right. you know, I think that look, you're looking at that top swing swinger. Like that's what it is. Top six winger. Does he stay here long-term or, you know, is he, to me, he's developed into a guy. We'll see how he does, but he's probably developed in a guy, at least from my perspective, who is going to be a probably a blue chip piece in a bigger trade to push them to the next level, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe they like them more than, uh, than I know about. So, so if you think, do you think if they're going to trade for Eichel, um, is that almost like a, a sort of a death sentence for maybe Buchnevich? I mean, I don't know if, do you pay Buchnevich? Like, first of all, it's a great question. That's you know, another, do you pay him. Cause I, I love him. But, I love him too. Uh, I love him too. It this depends one depends on what he wants. Yeah. 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 It, it really does. Like, I'm not sure. Um, Cause like I said, you're getting this log jam. You're going to have to pay off on year at some point. Look, they have a ton of salary off the books and they really aren't in salary cap, any issues for the next few years. Like they're really not. Uh, it really, until you need to give Adam Fox uh, and maybe Lafreniere and Kako, their big contracts. So you got time. And look at this rate, like even if Kako like has a good next year, like he's not going to owe would be unless he goes next year and scores 95 points. You're not going to have to pay him his $8 million yet. So you could probably get him on a five-year deal that 5 million or whatever it is. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not a cap wizard by any means, but you know, they have time to make a decision. Um, you know, can he convince Buchnevich for on a four-year deal or does he want that long-term, you know, once he gets north of four or five years, now he's pushing into his thirties. It's tough. It's tough. I, I think the, the potential this offseason has so many questions to it and it's really can they make the big splash or do they like you know do they sign a ryan nugent hopkins to like a three-year deal who's a good hockey player and they think mika's can still be their guy um and then you know mika's do a contract after the end of next year so i don't know what their long-term plan is i mean that's really what it comes down to you know 
to me, you kind of you're gonna have to move some sort of roster piece if you're gonna get Eichel just for the long term solutions. I think um, whether that's a Strong, whether that's a Mika, whether that's a Buchnevich, um, because you can't wind up paying everybody. It's just the way of the business. Uh, I, I think it's it's a very very intriguing question. But they're not like you know don't let anybody tell you they're they're not that bad a shape cap wise after this year when most of the uh, buyout penalties that they have are off the books. Yeah, uh, it's you know I'm trying to picture. Um, let's say ten years down the line, right? Ooh, Three cups okay. later. Um, no, but realistically, let's say in five years. Let's say if we're it's championship uh, contention time. What does this roster really look like? Is the band still together, or is it you know is it mostly Heedles? It mostly Kako Lafreniere. Are those the guys that are ultimately here for the championship? I mean, you got to think Shesterkin, um, Fox, Lindgren. Um, but like you said, there's gonna be there's gonna be a time where you got to pay them. Uh, and you know, will that time run out? I mean, they, I think they're pretty set. I think t- uh, signing Kreider seems like they're committed um, to keeping that group of guys together, KZB. But it's hard to say because um, Buchnevich, yeah, really has turned into an unbelievable player. He, personally, one of my favorites to just watch this change um, from him. Now, oh my God! So he's been in the league. 16-17 was his first year. Yeah, I yeah. I have I have the um the jersey from that year. I got the 80, nice. 85 year patch, and that's how I'm like, oh, see, I was a I I am the real Buchnevich stand. When everybody that's awesome. Him. Uh, I feel like the beginning of nineteen twenty, people were kind of like, ah, this guy, you know, whatever. He is not a he's not a ninety point you know guy. So fuck it. But here, <laughs> neck and neck with Panarin now. Exactly, and obviously Panarin has played less games, but he's been great. He's been arguably when you know i think panarin is up front has been the best forward when he's in the lineup but you know, for a guy who's been able to stay uh you know healthy and, and and obviously panarin had other issues to deal with but he's been great and look i said the one benefit is he's an rfa for at least you know he's got another year of rfa eligibility so they at the very least they can qualify in the summer and then they can kind of they could buy themselves some time you know what i mean to, to to kind of make that decision it doesn't have to be right away yeah i'm looking at the cat friendly page right now and i do this pretty often um look long term the only guys that are really committed to um, are, you know, Panarin, Kreider, and Truba. Um, Truba and Panarin each have five years left uh, after the, after this year. Um, Kreider's going to have, what, another six years, seven years. So, right. you know, look, in a weird way, too, you know, you hope Igor recovers here. And, I, you know, if it's a groin, you don't want to mess around with that. Look, you, you kind of might have just – in a weird way caught a break with Igor because he's now not going to be able to play as much. He's, he's not going to be able to demand as much money. You know, that's a guy who you're like, okay, well actually now maybe we might've caught a break with it. You know, Filipino the same way getting injured. Like you're not going to have to pay him as much here. So if you sign some smart deals here, you know, the Rangers have always been kind of a bridge team. Uh, there's been a few exceptions to that. You know, Ryan McDonough, they didn't do a bridge with um, took a little break after the, uh, the late two thousands mishaps, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, they've largely been at, um, but you know, look, from for my money's sake, you know, they have options, and that's all you want. You have options. You know, another year of of Strom ends of Benajet under contract. Uh, some good contracts here. Lafreniere is in good. You know, three more years, two Speaking more years after this. And Strom, yeah. is there ever a dead man walking more than Strom? I feel like I feel like every <laughs> time I see him, it's just he's just not going to be a Ranger the next time I see him. I know, it's I know, realistic, but it's just like, oh man, like this guy is such a good character guy for the team, but he's just. 
he's just not the right guy. I mean, unless, you know, as a number one center, they got to get um, some more depth at center. Oh, my God. I mean, that's it. That's it. High, then I saw a stat today that Strom and, and Barzell have the same amount of points, I think, since in the last in, la in the last 100 games. Yeah, they've had the same amount of points. Yeah. Forgive me for whoever uh, pointed that stat. I know. I saw that, too, and I missed it. But I'm like, that's interesting. I mean, Strom is, is such a fascinating player, man. It's like you see this guy play these top minutes and he's somewhat of a responsible player. But at the, at, there's these times he's out there and you, you just want to scream at him because. Yeah, he's uh, whatever. Yeah, he's been like he's been frustrating. Like I'm not the like admittedly, but he's been good this year. And he's proved a lot of people wrong. I have no problem admitting that, including myself. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, I'm not sure about long term, but like you said, look right now he's fine. Like you said, we, we keep talking about you know the depth, and it's like, are you going to make a splash to get like a true elite, elite number one center? I think Eichel's that. We've talked about it last week. Mika's been a lot better. He's getting better. You can kind of see him getting there. Um, obviously, you know, six points in one period against that that, that flyer game. Um, but, you know, you even look back to, like, look, 2014 with the Rangers. Like, do they have an elite – was Stepan an elite one center? Probably not. But their depth down the middle was great between, you know, Stepan, Richards kind of both played that 1A, 1B Ryan kind of Boyle. role. Ryan Boyle, you know, Derek Broussard. And, you know, even that fourth line, like, they had Dominic Moore, too. So, like, either one of those could play center. So, they, they literally had, like, five legit centers in their lineup. And one was always playing the wing. You know – that works too if you could have that kind of depth. Right now they don't have it. I mean, Heedle's still not really taking face-offs because he's recovering from the injury, um, whatever it was to his arm, or you know, we're not really sure. But um, you know, long term, you know, and obviously we talk about Brett Howden all the time. Was the team three and zero without him, or you know, the penalty kills the same? I don't know. Again, Rangers, shut us all up. Tell us what you see in this guy. <laughs> yeah, please, please. Whenever you're willing to put out a statement, we'll have you on the podcast. Whoever wants to come on, I don't care. I don't care. We'll yeah, talk. I just Please. want to know. And, and again, it's not hate. It's it's I'm sure Brett Howden is a great dude. He's a, he's a smiley guy. He's a good looking dude. Uh, he's you know, he's there. And I'm sure I'm sure they're all friends with him. But what difference does he make? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, not, not, not much, except, uh, I guess, one empty net goal season. Yeah. Prove us wrong, Brett. We've unjinxed just about everybody else in the last week. So it's true. We kind of did actually. Kind of did. Just about everybody, you know, uh, nine, nothing win. Oh, okay. So you briefly touched on Truba. I, I, I kind of want to talk mm. about it for a minute. It's hard to talk about Truba without talking about the cap hit, but yeah. Does how expendable now is Jacob Truba now that Adam Fox is everything Jacob Truba probably should have been from the get-go. Yeah, that's like the thing that the Rangers could be kicking themselves on, like giving that contract to him. And then because, you know, look, once again, like you maybe didn't expect to get Panera and then they got him. And then you didn't expect, you know, you thought Adam Fox was going to be good. And then all of a sudden he's like a Norris caliber defenseman. Right. I think, uh, I think Truba has been better of late. Um, once again, they're, they're lucky that cap wise, like um, he doesn't kill them. Um, and like another thing too, like looking at that contract, it eventually becomes no move. And he's got one of those contracts where like, you know, last year's total salary was 12 million. This year it's 10, eight, six. The last couple of years it's down to like just a regular salary of six with no signing bonuses. So like real cap versus salary, uh, like is a little bit different. Maybe it's a movable thing. Right now, it's not the end of the world, um, but it's not a good contract. And and I don't think Jacob Truva is a bad hockey player, but he's like a four and a half million defenseman five million dollar defenseman yeah and he's being paid eight million that's the problem yeah like, that's the problem if, if, if this if that deal was even six million a year on the cap you'd be like 
all right, all right. And he's clearly a leader in the room. Right. Um, and, and I think he's been better too of late, like, you know, kind of taking on a little bit more of a role. And you'll see that sometimes when, when there's injuries and, and guys got to kind of step up to the plate um, and, and all that good stuff. Like sometimes more playing time helps you kind of just work out the kinks, you know? So uh, he's a guy who, who I like as on a personal level, um, long-term, I'm not sure. But like I said, I, I, they're not in terrible dire straits, at least probably for another three or four years. Hopefully by then he's either, you know, kind of figured it out and been a bit better or worse comes to worse. Maybe he's moving. Wow. Hold on. The Flyers are down 4-1 at the end of the second. Losing 4-1? 4-1 to the Devils. Oof. That's not there a good There you go. Yeah, I can't wait to re- watch the replay of that. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. But uh, I think you're totally right. I, I actually really do like if Jacob Truba. I think it, playing in a role on a good team uh, would be great to have. I guess they just felt that they needed a real rock. Um, yeah. Yeah, who was younger. They had Stahl and Girardi. Briefly touching on bad contracts, um, I remember when they signed, they they signed that, uh, I believe first it was Girardi in about yes. 2013. Yeah, tw- 2014, yeah. And that was how long? That was like a five, six-year deal? Something that- along those lines. Yeah, um, it was it was about five or six years too and long. And they announced but- it, and I remember the fan reaction was kind con- It was like mixed, but ultimately, initially, it was like, okay, good. You know, that's fine. Um, I, especially the team is better. Um, you know, looks like things are on the upswing. Uh, we're have, we're going to have a championship window here. But I guess this following season, they just uh, control C, control V, uh, Mark Stahl. And, and that is when everybody was like, that's an interesting contract. Mark Stahl hasn't looked like himself for about three years now. We're going to give him a six-year or seven-year deal, whatever it was um, that he's still riding out in Detroit. But those are some bad contracts. But yeah, I, I like Jacob Truba, man. I did too. I did too. Uh, he's, he's It's fine for now. Um, I'm not, like, too, too concerned about it. The offense um, could definitely be uh, a little more there considering that's one, supposed to be one of his specialties. But we, we have to keep taking this into account that Pionk was not that great when they traded him. No, no, they weren't. And, like, you think about that trade, it was like uh, – so what they they got they got Lemieux uh, and the, the first for Hayes, and then they just traded Pionk and that first back for Truba. So if you think of like Lemieux, like it was basically you know Lemieux and Truba for whatever twelve games of Kevin Hayes right. and Neil Pionk. So you probably win that trade, especially if you weren't going to sign uh, you know Hayes long term. Just real quick here, I went on a cap friendly. So that yeah, that deal that um, here's the thing, and I've said this before about both Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi. Had nine or one of them signed these last two contracts with the Rangers, they would have been cult heroes. They would have been remembered fondly. Uh, they would have been re- you know already were good hockey players for the Rangers. They were um, Mark Stahl free the injuries. Dan Girardi as an unsigned undrafted free agent to come in and play six seven years for the Rangers there. Like they would have been unsung heroes, but then they do these contracts. Uh, so yeah, um, dude, this is, this is Girardi's first. So this is, he signed it on February 28, 2014. Uh, so it started in 14, 15 and was supposed to go till last year into the buyout six years, 33 million, uh, full no movement for the first three years. And then a modified at the end. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, January 18, 2015, Mark Stahl, six years, 34.2, mm-hmm. um, 5.7 on the cap, no movement clauses there. So, and you know, the, the other frustrating thing there is too, is obviously, you know, hindsight, you know, not signing, um, not signing Anton Strawman and then, you know, trading for Keith Yandel, which is back into an AV point here. Um, and then pretty much, you know, they could have just given that money to Keith Yandel, who's still like, he put up, Keith Yandel scored 50 freaking points last year. 
Like, you know, so hindsight's twenty twenty. I get it, but I think people were nervous about those contracts from the get-go, and we were largely right. Remember how excited we were about a full season of Yandel, and then he got he got AV out the <sighs> what if he's on the third, tail, third pair, he's maybe on the second power play unit. I don't, I don't know remember exactly. I, I loved Keith Yandel, man. That guy that guy's yeah. a player. And real solid NHL veteran that they could they could have kept around for longer. But um yeah, I guess what was the alternative? So he was in sixty. He had the he was here for the full season, fifteen sixteen. Yeah, put up what forty nine points or something like that. I think he had like seven forty two. That's good. That's a good player. I mean, I, I, think, I think back to that um that year. What I just what went wrong? I mean, I guess you could you could definitely go back to the full circle AV thing. Um, but ultimately, like, what did that team in? It was kind of a similar team to the year before, but um. Uh, yeah, did they lose any uh, key pieces? I'm trying to think. Of I mean, not a look. I mean, look, they, um, they, yeah, they just look. They're another. They were another year older. Um, Av continued to just dole out this line. Look, they got that year. They got off to a really hot start. They were like 13, two and one, but like they were getting uh, out metrics every game, and Lundqvist was just standing on his head. I know we've heard that a million times. So you know they kind of rode a hot start and pretty much then just played 500 hockey the rest of the way, and they limped into those playoffs. Like I, you know, they look. This is a hundred point team that going into those playoffs, you just did not feel good, and they got pretty much dominated by uh, um, by Pittsburgh on their way to that st- first Stanley Cup of the back to backs. Yeah, look, I mean, they looking at this roster right now. I mean, they just. Uh, you know, their best player, their, their, their leading score, good player, 61 points, Matt Zuccarello, 80 in 81 games. But like, you know, Rick Nash took a huge step back, you know, after scoring 40 goals the year before, only played 60 games, only had 36 points. I mean, and then like, you know, look, I just saw, talked about it. You know, Keith Yandel was your fourth leading scorer and he was still playing under 20 minutes a game. Um, you know, just going back to, to, to what Elaine Vino kind of did there. Um, you know, it got better in spurts and, and vice versa. Yeah, I think that team just got older. Um, you can kind of see the writing on the wall is just like listening to AV and sometimes coaches can just go to stale on you. I don't know. And look, in 16-17, they just had a really high shooting percentage. We're kind of more fun to watch, obviously. But yeah, yeah 15-16 team wasn't uh, wasn't uh, wasn't very fun to watch. It was like they were just uh, and very they, they had like a 10 or 12-something game winning streak at the beginning of the season. I think- yeah put them into the playoffs right then and there almost that's pretty much it yeah i think they said yeah so they started off like yeah they yeah yeah exactly yeah they went on one two so they were um they were four let's see they were six and two and then yeah so they start and then they went on a, like a nine yeah so they were 14 two and two to start the season uh and then from there like just looking through the schedule yeah. like wow. win loss win loss pretty much the rest of the way like just played 500 hockey literally the rest of the way just win loss win loss win loss and so that, that, you know, actually probably a little bit below 500 if I'm looking at it. So because they finished, they finished 46, 27 and nine. So basically whatever, 46 and 36. So, so yeah, they played like a little under 500 the rest of the way. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of wow. an interesting team. Yeah. Kind of a weirdly, weirdly assembled. Team. And then they made that Eric Stahl trade for no reason. Oh my God. He's got to be the most forgettable Ranger. It, it was yeah. so nothing and it was so short. And yeah, they got spanked in the playoffs. He just ended. Yeah. It was just yeah, sad ending. Sad ending there. Here's your center depth, though, right? Uh, uh, yeah, Eric Stahl. There you go. He's back on the market. Well, the thing is, 
he played 20 games to the Rangers. I can't believe he actually played that many because I feel like it didn't even happen. But yeah. he only had six points, you know. And he was kind of falling off the wagon there a little bit in those bad Carolina teams. Then he goes to Minnesota and kind of revived his career. He had 65 and then 76 points, 52 points last year or last year. Yeah, a good little time in Minnesota, actually. He was not a bad player. And then, of course, he got traded to Buffalo, and that's where everybody goes to die, apparently. <laughs> All right, well, let, let's wrap it with a little Mighty Ducks. You tell me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. The new Mighty Ducks, um, like, I guess there's an Apple Plus TV show is coming out. Um, uh, Gordon Bombay is back. Emilio uh, Estevez. Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls, one of my favorite crushes growing up there. Um, uh, yeah, I was just reading about it, and my buddy was telling me about it. And, look, anybody who grew up, you know, born in the 90s or, you know, late 80s and the 90s like we did, like, we all saw the Mighty Ducks. We all knew it. We all saw those that trilogy of films and, you know, were a lot of fun. So um, I figured we'd talk a little Mighty Ducks here. Uh, going back to, you know, I, D, the first Mighty Ducks is great. I actually, D2 is my favorite. Which one is your favorite of the movies? I like D2 the best. I got to go back and watch D2 and D3 because yeah. it's been so long. D2 uh-huh. is the one there in the the junior Goodwill games, basically the Olympics, and they beat uh-huh. Iceland. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, man. Hilarious. No, it's it's great, dude. The Mighty Ducks are legendary, and I love when Anaheim brings back the, the Mighty Ducks jersey. <sighs> man, there's uh, – I, I think it's, like, Icelandics. I, I follow on YouTube, and, like, they, like, they're kind of recent, but, like, they put, put up some, like, jersey, like, stuff and, like, breaking down jersey history, and, like, it's, they had, like, one they're going to try to do it for each team, I guess, but they talked about the Ducks, and, like, Talk about a team that has jerseys have gotten worse every single time they come out with a new jersey. And like now until finally they, they come back and like that original logo is so great. And like that like eggplant and like purple, like you know, green and purple, like what a great color scheme. But um, you know, it, it, I don't understand their jerseys now, I think, are the worst in the NHL. Like the orange and the gold, and like I think there's just so much going on. I hate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know what? What other jersey is it's just visually too much that those freaking devils throwbacks they would be nice with that that white stripe yeah I, i've heard mixed things i don't hate them i, I get it because there's like a lot of striping going on on the bottom they're kind of like almost like like give you a headache when you're seeing them going up and down the ice i do understand that i i'm, I'm with you on that we we could do a jersey podcast one day oh, I, I love jerseys i love talking jerseys i think it's a great idea me too uh, i'm very very much into collecting i i don't have many other teams but a uh, big big ranger guy i have my lindgren jersey repping there you go i got yeah I'm, I'm always like scouring ebay trying to find just like random old jer- i have a biz- i have like i have a lot of jerseys you know i've sold some over the years i have obviously ranger jerseys uh, but I have some other teams too, so I'm I, I'm I'm all over the place. Uh, so we'll we'll wrap, so we'll wrap it up with this. As Mighty Ducks, um, who's your favorite character from you know maybe the original? There, I mean, I know there's some obvious answers, but uh, you know who's uh, who's your le- favorite, least favorite? You can say. Growing up, I my I mean I guess my favorite's got to be the farter, the um, <laughs> John White. Yeah. Um, more more than anything. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, that made me laugh growing up. Um, Emilio's great. I mean, you know, Emilio Estevez, you know, claim to fame has got to be this movie. Uh, these It's right up there um, for him. And, you know, the claim to fame, getting a, co- a youth coaching job because you're uh, a drunk driver. What a great, what a great setup to a film. <laughs> so he gets the job because he gets pulled over for drinking. Yeah. Um, my favorite. I mean, look, I was always like, I always like Charlie a lot. Um, shout out, uh, Connie Moreau though. She was a good player. Um, I, oh I liked, liked Connie. I liked Connie. She was good. And being Connell, Connie, I kind of liked it there a little bit too. 
Uh, definitely a, a crush on her when I was a little kid there. <laughs> Least favorite. Um, I don't know. They kind of abandoned some characters after the first one to the second one. Like the kid you just brought up, I think they caught him. Like he wasn't even yeah. around. And then, <laughs> you know, then, but then you go, how can you not love? And he's made a great career though. Also, I guess, you know, I guess outside of that, you know, I love Keenan Thompson in the second one. Who doesn't love a good knuckle puck? Oh my God. That is a great moment. The flying V you could say too. Yep. 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 All classic moments. Uh, but that's good. That should just about wrap it up for this week. Uh, and thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll get back to you next week. Hopefully the Rangers uh, keep kicking butt here. We shall see. One last dunk on AV. We'll keep the uh, music going just as we get out of here. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one. Again, on the train. Wow. What a night for the Rangers. Last night at the Garden. The Rangers scoring nine goals. Nine goals. This is the score sheet from last night's game. I'm still reading it over to get all the information, but it couldn't have been better. The team exploded in the second period. Rangers with a huge win. Rangers with a huge win. Wow, was that exciting.